Hello, and welcome to the Sporting Max Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company, revolutionizing the way people look at having a night out with friends. We make sophisticated non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink, and love yourself the next day too. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. And here's your host, Max Becker. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max. I'm your host, Max Becker, and today we're joined by Geelong Cats Head of Development, James Raleigh. Welcome, James. Hey, Max. Good to be here, mate. So, James, the 1997 AFL draft, you were picked 38, selected by the Cats. What was it like to be selected by a club who was so good at that point in time? Oh, that was very exciting. I was a warnable boy, so it was only up the road in another two hours and I played for the Geelong Falcons. So, yeah, I was probably hoping Geelong would pick me up. Um, it was the same day as my English English exam. So I uh, didn't go too well on that because I was pretty keen to get out of it and, um, and see if I got picked up and pretty much got home with all my mates. And, yeah, um, Stephen Wells read my name out. So I was a very happy, happy boy. Yeah, that time and time we were pretty good. I think they just got done in the prelim in 97 against Adelaide. They had a lot of good young players and a lot of older players. So they had um, Barry Stoneham and Buddha Hocking and Brad Scholl and all these types of players. And then um, they drafted recently over the last couple of years. So we were, we were very young as well. Um, but, yeah, no, it was very interesting. I think Gary Ablett uh, retired the year before I got there, so I never got to oh. – that's senior, by the way. But, yeah. Um, got to play with junior. But, uh, yeah, no, it was an interesting time. What was your rookie year experience like? Was everyone welcoming? Yes, they were. Gary Ayres was the coach at the time. Um, we had another assistant coach and um, a VFL coach, so – very topical at the moment how many coaches we've got so we didn't have as many back then um but yeah all the players were as i said there was pretty um yeah very old list but very uh young so top heavy a lot of 30 year olds but then a lot of t- sort of teenagers early 20s so yeah grew up uh, playing with a lot of a lot of uh, my mates which was great um and uh, yeah it was, it was a good welcoming club at the time you won the Norm Goss medal in 2002 um, for the Cats Premiership in the VFL. What went on for you on that day? Yeah, that was um, – yeah, I was lucky enough. I didn't – I was injured a lot a bit that year and I didn't play enough AFL games or something like that and was lucky enough to p- go back and play in the in the reserves or the VFL. Yep. Um, which was great and played in one or, one or two of the finals before the grand final. And uh, we were a very up-and-coming side. We had the likes of Gary Ablett Jr., Jimmy Bartell, James Kelly, uh, Paul Chapman was in the side. What was uh, uh, what was Chaps and um, Gary Ablett Jr. like? Yeah, no, they were great, and they they had a really good year. That oh, that was Gary's first year, um, and Paul Chapman had a good year that year as well. Um, no, they were great. They were Chappy played on ball with me and. Um, yeah, most of the plan was hit it to Chappie and he'd run out and uh, <laughs> kick the goal from the centre bounce. I remember that clearly from that game. Gary was quite sore that game, so he was, he didn't have his best game. He was just getting through. He had a bit of groin soreness, if I, if I remember. But, um, 
No, it was a great game. There was actually a lot of pressure on us to win that because we hadn't won any sort of premiership for a long time. And I remember Bomber Thompson, who was a coach at the time, come and grab me in half time and because I was one of the more experienced ones and I was playing yeah. okay for me at the time, he grabbed me and said that I had to try and get them over the line here and, and yeah. uh, lucky enough we did in the end. It was a good win. Who is the best player that you've played with and why? Played with? Um, oh, that's a tough one. Uh, look, I always saw, thought that Gary Ablett Jr. was going to be a great player. Um, yeah. He probably wasn't quite at his best when I played with him, but you could definitely see he was probably the most talented player that I'd played with, that's for yeah. sure. Um, Matthew Scarlett, who I got drafted with, would be the most competitive player I played with. He, um, After a couple of years when he um, at development, he sort of got himself right and, geez, yeah, he was a hell of a fullback. And probably Corey Enright was this, the smartest, yeah. best decision-maker maker I, I saw in the game so he was great to play with but um, obviously a lot of the younger players you know in that even in that um, that VFL grand final went on to have great careers um, you know Jimmy Bartel and, and Paul Chapman we meant and Steve Johnson was in that yeah all, all great players so I was very lucky to play with so many good players. Jump back to your childhood and growing up what was that like for you? Yeah, um, that was great. I was, as I said, it was uh, most of the time I grew up in Warrnambool um, on the Mirai River there. So, uh, yeah, had a brother and sister I lived with down there and, and a heap of mates that I still catch up with, um, yeah, most weekends with now. So, and, and keep, keep in touch with, very close. And go back there um, and camp uh, on, uh, over Christmas. So, love getting back there. Don't get, much, don't get back there much during the year. Um, but to always go back for Christmas and take my family back um, and camp at uh, yeah the Surfside Caravan Park there on the beach. Yep. So we love it. Uh, what did you take away from your experience with your three years playing at Geelong? The three years I played there? Or, yeah. Oh, uh, you, no, played, yeah, yeah, the I, years that you played. The years that I played there, yeah. Yep. No, I took a, took a lot. Away from um, obviously playing there, I after I um, I left, I I just never thought I did lose a little bit of love for the game. I had a lot of injuries. Um, yeah. yeah, thought it was thought it was probably the right time to finish up when I did, and went overseas for a couple of years, um, and really didn't think I'd get back into football to be honest. But then um, yeah, Steve Hocking, who was uh, general manager at the time of football operate of operations. Yeah. Um, rang me up and asked me to come back. So, uh, yeah, I um, really, because of my injuries, I, I probably couldn't really play football. So I was, I was sort of interested in coaching. So I got my opportunity that way. Is that how you got into your role as assistant coach at Geelong? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. I think Hawk heard that I probably um, wasn't keen on playing anywhere after I got back from overseas. And um, because... I'd probably done, a, or he saw me do a reasonable job with all those young uh, up-and-coming players when I was towards the end of my career. Yeah. Uh, I think he was, yeah, he was, um, he thought I had, I had something, especially from a development coach point of view, and because I already had a pretty good relationship with the boys, it, um, yeah, it worked pretty well. Why did you want to go back to the Cats and what influenced you to make that decision? 
Um, yeah, probably, probably after um, Steve Hocking called, I, I did still want to have some involvement in football. As I, as I said, I, I couldn't play. Um, and to go back to the club that I that I played with, I, and because you know I didn't achieve a, a premiership from a senior point of view, I um, to come back overseas and watch that 07, which um, 07 grand final, which was amazing to see. I, I just really want, would like wanted to be a part of it in in some small way. So yeah, that's why I joined back in 08. How did you get into the main coaching group in 2010? And why did you make that decision to go full-time with the Cats? Well, in 09, I was pretty much full-time, Max. Yep. I was just paid part-time. So uh, <laughs> I, was paid, I was paid very, very little. I'm even embarrassed to say what I was paid, but <laughs> I did pretty much work full-time. I worked um, mostly during the week, and then I worked with the VFL. And then uh, Bomber and Kenny Hinckley actually had me behind the goals because back in those days, there was no behind-the-goals vision that is um, broadcast the box now. So I yeah. had to, by phone, text message everything that I could see from behind the goals, huh. uh, which was, yeah, an interesting use of technology back then. So even in the grand final when Matthew Scarlett was toe-poking to Gary Ablett, I was behind the goals texting um, what I could see. But um, in saying that, in that, in that um, grand final, the last five minutes, I wasn't, I wasn't texting much. I was just trying to cheer them home. So, yeah, no, very exciting. But, yeah, in 2010, um, yeah, they asked me to come on full-time and because I put so much effort in um, working 08 and 09, it was a pretty easy decision. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've been there ever since. You were part of the coaching group that won the 2011 Premiership. What's it like from a coach's perspective when you win a Premiership and what like, was your role at the club in that year? Uh, yeah, I had a big role that year. I um, I was helping out the midfield with Nigel Lappin. I was a ruck coach, if you believe that. Um, <laughs> and I was uh, opposition and strategy as well. So I had a, a really broad role. Um, yeah. And it, it, um, yeah, it, was a, it was probably as hard as I've ever worked in a year, I reckon. I, I watched so much of Collingwood. I almost, had, my eyes were pretty much black and white. I'd, I'd watched a lot of, lot of Collingwood that year and and we went through the year um being the only team team they didn't didn't beat so I was pretty proud of that um because they were a very good team that year Uh, um but we were as well and then I and then the grand final week I I I was the forward coach as well because Brenton Sanderson got the job and had to go to Adelaide if you remember that um so I had a very very big role the last couple of weeks leading up to the grand final um, and I was, yeah, probably relief. If that was your question, Max, I felt relieved <laughs> after all. But obviously when it all um, sunk in, it was, uh, yeah, great excitement. I understand that you have four kids at home. How have you kept them and yourself entertained during ISO? Um, yeah, look, it's been pretty good, actually. It's been okay spending more time uh, at home with kids and homeschooling them. Surprising enough, it's been been okay. In saying that, I reckon it's getting getting close now. We're probably at the end of the tether with it all. So we've got one back who's in grade two, um, yep. and then we've got the older two who will be uh, four and four, grade four and grade four, uh, grade four and six, and yep. they'll go back um, 
soon. So I think we're ready, mate. I think I'm ready for them to go back to school. <laughs> we've still got a little four-year-old running around. But, um, yeah, no, we've enjoyed it. Um, we've, they've still been exercising. I've been running and they've been riding. And we're very lucky living in Janjuk on the beach and yeah. getting in the water. So um hasn't been too bad, Max, surprisingly. Check out Monday Distillery at mondaydistillery.com for refreshing non-alcoholic beverages. What's being part of the coaching group with Chris Scott like? You know, like what's his personality like and what's he like in the coach's box on game day? Well, he's actually very different to what you see um, when the camera uh, goes to him when he's yeah. hitting the desk or yelling. He, he, yeah, I think they must know when he's going to do it, but um, he's he's not like that at all to work with. He's actually quite strategic. He's a bit of a deep thinker and always likes to get the edge on edge on his opponent. Um, yeah, yeah, and very calm. So he's really not like that at all. It's just when there's a maybe a bad umpiring decision. I think the, yeah. the camera just goes to him so uh, and gets it all. But even in the box, he's pretty calm. Um, apart from the times that yeah you see him, see him on the TV. Talk to us about what you do on a daily basis at Geelong. Yeah, well, being head of development, um, my main role is to, to look after the first to four-year players that we have, um, which is pretty much half our list or might be even over half our list at the moment. So it's a pretty big role. Um, yeah, so I work on all their programs over... Um, team that works with me. I've got a physiotherapist and a um, sports scientist, two coaches, um, an analyst and uh, a welfare uh, or player development manager. And we, we get together uh, uh, very often and just talk about how we can improve these guys. We spend a lot of time educating them, not just with footy stuff, but with off-field stuff um, and their well-being and their leadership and the culture of the club. So we spend a lot of time, yeah, not just making them better footballers, but making them better people. But, um, oh, look, when we first get the club as coaches, we always get together and talk about training or or the previous game. We review the game um, earlier in the week. And then later in the week, it's a lot working on opposition and, and coaching the players. Um, and, uh, yeah, then get ready, getting ready for the upcoming game. The AFL said that there can only be a certain number of um, development coaches per club. So what was that like for you waiting until you know that you would come back and be with the Cats for the remainder of 2020? Yeah, I think everyone's uh, been a bit different. Um, yeah, I suppose it's not, not much fun for anyone in the whole football um, uh, department to know if they were coming back or, or, yep. or being stood down. Um, but look, we were probably, uh, compared to other clubs, we probably actually, uh, we have lower staff. So um, we we're lucky enough that all our coaches came back. Yep. Um, we don't, a few other clubs have a lot more coaches than us. And I think, unfortunately, yeah, a few coaches will let go. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, yeah, it's been lucky for Geelong that we've, we've kept all our coaches. Um, yeah, which has been good. Jack Stephen got traded at the end of last year to the Cats and he's a really amazing player when he turns it on. How have you assisted him and worked with him throughout the time that he's been with you guys and how? Yeah, because I, I, I work with the younger guys, I haven't spent too much time with Jack, but, geez, he's a, he's a gamer. He's a, he's a guy that just doesn't matter 
what sort of session we have, he goes full throttle, 100% Ooh. all the time. So he's, to be fair, he's probably almost our best trainer in pre-season. Um, picked up a little injury just before um, round one. But, uh, yeah, no, I think if we get Jack right and on the park, he's going to be very important to us. He's back um, at training, yeah? Yeah, he's back at training and he's yeah, he's happy to be back and I think it's best place for him. And, um, yeah, hopefully... You can start training with the boys soon and, and get, get out in the field. As a development coach, what's the most important thing when developing some of your players as a player and as a person and how do you do it? Oh, well, the first thing we do, and I think we do it very well, is getting to know the player. We, we, as soon as they get drafted into the club, we do, um, and the players don't really like this, but they have to wait a long time before they get into <laughs> training. Um, I make them wait um, because we do a lot of background work on them. Um, we speak to all their teachers and footy coaches and trainers. Um, yep. Yeah, to find out as much as possible about them. Um, and then we do a lot of work on their uh, movements and biomechanics and their footy skills and their learning styles. And then we create a, a big sort of document um, that I present to the whole footy department on how we think we can um, improve these players, what their strengths, what their weaknesses are, yeah, um, along with their psych reports and everything that we get from the, the draft as well. So um, it's, a, it's a long process, but I think well worth, worth it. And, um, and then it's really about getting, them, getting to know themselves because um, we do a fair bit on self-awareness because once we know them pretty well, um, it's about them knowing themselves pretty well. And then we can, and then we're in a really strong position to educate them to be the best footy players, um, but also the best people off field. Who is the best player that you've played against in your AFL career? Um, I played on a lot of good players because I, um, part, half of my career was tagging. Um, yeah. So, oh, look, I, I, the, the hardest players I played on were the ones that could go forward or play in the midfield because players like a Mark Rusciuto, who um, you might beat them while they're on, in the midfield, you're on top of them, yep. but then they can swing forward and all of a sudden kick a couple of goals on you really quickly. So yep. that can be pretty, you know, mentally demoralising <laughs> when you think you're on top of someone. Um, you might have them in the forward line, like a you know a Brad Johnson type. You you're stopping him from kicking goals and getting the ball, but then he might go in the midfield and and then all his mates block for him and and yeah they help him get the ball. But there's players like Ben Cousins, obviously can run run all day, and Nathan Buckley who was just so strong and fundamentally sound, and yeah. and Michael Boss who's so competitive and ruthless, and um, so yeah, played on a lot of lot of good players. With the introduction of new changes due to COVID-19, the AFL have implemented such as a shorter season and now shorter quarters. How do you think the coaches will have to adapt to this? Yeah, I actually like it. I like the shorter game. Um, I don't think we'll ever have a shorter season. Um, but I do like the shorter game, I think. And I, and I do hope that they, they let the rotations go as well. I'm not, not a big believer in short road or capped rotations. Um, I like the powerful players, and I think most, if you look at 
most of the best players in the competition, the Dustin Martins and um, Paddy Dangerfields. They're, they're powerful players, Buddy Franklins. So you don't want them to be running all day and, and getting tired. So, um, yeah, I, I like the shorter, shorter quarters and the shorter game. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it'll it hopefully suit you along as well. The AFL said they were possibly thinking of um, extending the bench for the rest of this season. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that'll help as well. Again, I think it'll help the players. Um, I didn't mind the rules they brought in last year, to yeah. especially centre bounce to the six six six. I think that's a, a good um, a good rule. Um, yeah, and I just think, as I said, I think it'll help the powerful players. Um, and hopefully it's a better spectacle. In recent times, we've seen many famous coaches such as Bomber Thompson and Dean Laidley. Uh, we've seen them with issues like drugs and mental health. Um, do you think the coaches are being offered enough support from the AFL due to the high-stress environment that they operate in? Um, I think they're pretty well supported at club when they're at the club. It's probably just very difficult when you, they leave the club, and especially especially the coaches that have gone straight from playing, yep. the ones that are only know football and what it's like to be in a football club. So I think yeah. they're probably the most at risk. Um, but it, it's not necessarily a coach thing. It's probably still a little bit of a, a male thing that um, males who probably don't ask for help enough. Um, and I suppose when you're in such a leadership position, it would be probably even harder to to ask for help. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, the, probably the biggest part about it. But, look, I think they're supported pretty well. Um, I'm part of the Coaches Association. that, that They're trying to do what they can. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, good. it's good that um, there's awareness out there for it, especially with mental health. Uh, what's it like on – are you in, like, the room on draft day? Uh, yes, yep, yep. What's, I've been what's that large. like? Uh, how many drafts since about 2011? So, yeah, almost the last sort of nine to ten drafts. Oh, I love it. It's well, my f- probably yeah, my f- favourite day is probably the round one. Yeah. <laughs> the second favourite day of the AFL calendar is probably um, obviously grand final day is good if yep. you get there. But um, probably draft day. Um, yeah, I just like the excitement of bringing new talent into your club and um, getting to know them, getting to know their families and then being able to work with them. Um, we haven't had many early picks <laughs> well, since I've been in development, Max. We've had a lot yeah. of late, late picks, pick 80s and 120s Ooh, and yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, we've actually got a good draft can coming up, so it'll be interesting to, to see how it works out. What would be your advice to any kid, young kid who wants to get into an AFL coaching role? Um, I will always say um, to people coming up to be themselves, um, but also, uh, but I also say to be curious. So um, it's really important as a coach to keep developing yourself, and um, yeah, just always know that uh, you're not always right. I think the best coaches are the ones that uh, always look to improve and and always listen. Um, but you are a teacher, Max, so it's important you know how to teach and, um, yeah, you know who you're talking to and how that person learns. And that's yeah. what I love about coaching. They're, 
you have to be pretty creative and you have to work with a lot of different personalities and they all learn differently. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's what I'd probably, uh, that's what my advice would be. Thanks, James, for come, being part of the Sporting Max podcast. Thanks, Max. Loved it. Anytime. Well, tune in, everyone, for some more Sporting Max podcasts. Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. Be sure to like this episode and follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud. This episode was brought to you by the Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionizing the way people look at having a night out with friends. We make sophisticated non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink, and love yourself the next day too. Stay in high spirits. Keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday.